Hello everyone, it's September 13th, 2017. My name is Hunter Colloran. I'm Thomas Anderson. And today we're getting down to business with Walker McRae. He's a BDA major and sports and media major. He's involved with Devil's Advocates, the Sports Business Scholars, and he is a WPC 101 facilitator. He is here today to share his wisdom, guidance, and good humor with us all. Um, Walker, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing, doing good. Thank you for having me, by the way. Absolutely. So it's kind of funny. Um, when we were starting the podcast, we told you like 6 o'clock or 6.15, this room was occupied during that time by the Bizamers. Yeah. So you came in and there were so many people in here. Um, and I'm sure you expected there to be very little people in here and people were eating pizza. They were laughing. Mm-hmm. So I apologize for the late start. I mean, that's okay. Because like once Thomas told me that it was Bizam, I was like, oh, cool. I'll know all these people in there. So exactly. Right. It's a good <laughs> social time right before. Good. And, and also you got to put more money in the meter too. Your car. <laughs> yeah, I feel Which, totally so worth it. Okay. Yeah. Totally okay. worth it. Okay. okay. Good. No bad good, good. <laughs> that makes That makes me feel a lot better. Um, so I just want to talk about Devil's Advocates because I am not involved with Devil's Advocates, but I feel like all my friends are. So... Are you, do you have a position in that organization? Yeah, so I'm on executive board. Uh, and so my job as an e-board member is the special events chair. So to, as part of that, I organize the intramural teams. Um, I do special events, obviously. Um, and then I do like the Advo Buddy Challenge, which is where we pair old members with new members uh, to get people more involved within the organization, feel more comfortable. Uh, it's kind of like their first friend within Devil's Advocates. Uh, so I run that, and then we just, I work with um, Eli, who's the advancement chair, Eli Blyman, and uh, we work on, like, doing community service stuff, um, professionalism kind of things, um, and then overall, just, like, I, we try our best to get people more involved within ADVOs, uh, just because we all enjoy it really, uh, like, a whole lot, so we want other people to enjoy it, too. Can you give us, like, a 30-second, one-minute pitch for anyone who is interested <laughs> in joining Devil's Advocates? All right, <laughs> for anyone interested in joining Devil's Advocates... Uh, if you love giving tours and you love having friends, uh, it's definitely a great organization to do. Um, I mean, we have such a big impact not only within the organization um, to tour groups, but to ASU as well, because we're like the first impression that students have. And then it's just really fun to walk around campus and see like a ton of people that you know, mm-hmm. just say hi, uh, and it goes a really long way. And then when you're giving tours, you see people like their faces light up uh, when they see certain things on campus that they can see themselves being at. Um, and then just seeing that excitement goes a long way, and it's, it's so rewarding. And it helps you with, like, public speaking um, and just, like, socializing with people, too. Nice. Have you ever seen, like, one of your tour group, like, people, like, someone, like, on the tour, like, at ASU? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, like, honestly, like, I can't remember very many faces, if uh-huh. I'm honest. Uh, but there was this one person last year who was on my tour who was also from Oregon, which is where I'm from. So, like, I remembered them more specifically, and they actually ended up going here. So that was really cool to see that you can have that kind of impact um, on someone's decision because I was in their shoes at one point, and it's, like, really scary. So being able to relate to them and know that, like, you can know how they're feeling and you can um, cater your tours towards that kind of stuff. It really goes a long way. Absolutely. So you talked about putting on special events. Mm-hmm. What kind of special events have you done in the in the past? So, well, this is actually my first year on eBoard uh, special events chair, but we do have an event this Friday that I'm hosting um, at the SDFC. So it's basically like a dodgeball slash capture the flag tournament between different Ooh. Advo classes. Whoa, okay. So like an Advo class would be like fall 2016 or spring 2016 um, as an example. So we'll just have them like go against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, we also have like flag football stuff in the gym as well. 
Uh, so just stuff like that. Um, and then other kind of things that we've done in the past is like we'll go hike a mountain or we'll like go to Sonic, that kind of stuff. So we do have a couple formal events every semester, but usually I like to just do impromptu things. Like tonight, um, I got a couple people and we're going to go to Canes. So oh, it's just nice. kind of stuff like that. Okay. Um, trying to be get people more involved, may have people make friends, um, and then just have it do have us do more stuff than give tours. Like our motto is we like to be a group of friends who just happen to give tours together. Oh, um, I like that. Yeah, so we are really trying to push that just to get people so much more involved because the impact it's had on me is like, it's like I can't put it into words how important it's been to me. So I want other people to feel that same way too. That's really cool. So Walker, I've, I mean, we've recently met each other and started seeing each other more. We're in the same class through, with each other and, and stuff like that. And I've noticed that you're always in a very high spirits you have, a, you have a really good sense of humor, and you're always laughing, making jokes. Yeah. Does that play into when you're giving a tour? Like, do you, Does that come out at all? Yeah, I mean, I try and make jokes on my tour that I think are funny. Normally, I'd say like 95% of the time, the tour group does not find them very funny. <laughs> um, but like, something that my mom has always told me is that like, if I'm ever having a bad day or anything, to try and do something to make someone else's day better. Um, so it sounds kind of cheesy, but like, I've always tried to do that. I always try and stay positive with things. Um, and I'll try to be, like, too positive sometimes being, like, I don't know, um, just, like, antisocial or something. Like, you can use that in a humorous way, and I've been trying to do that. Um, but just always trying to be positive and nice to people, I think, goes a long way. Because when it happens to me, like, I know how good that is. So, like, that's why I've been talking with you guys more and more people in BizAm. Is because they have those same um, values in terms of always being nice to people, always being funny, and then having, like, a good sense of humor. And I've always said that, like, if I can't laugh at myself, then I can't, like, make fun of someone else. So I'll always be the first person to laugh at myself for doing certain things. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's a great attitude. I think it's really important to, like, kind of not take yourself too seriously because once you start doing that, like, you lose a lot about yourself, I think. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing about that is, like, I would say most of the time I do not take myself seriously at all because I find, like, people who do, it's just kind of frustrating because it's, like, stop. Sure. So, um... Like, with, you know, Sheenie uh, has never, ever seen me be serious. So a couple times she's like, you know, you have to be, like, professional for their business ambassadors. You have to be professional with this and that. And I was like, you know, I want you to sit in on my um, interview because even though I t- don't take myself seriously 99% of the time, I, always, I know when to, like, turn it on, turn it off. Mm-hmm. So I just want to see, like, how surprised that she is with something yeah. like that. Just, like, shocked. She's like, I would love wow. to see that, too, actually. Yeah. Like, I, I would, too. I, whenever I can see a Shini get surprised or taken back, yeah. it's yeah. a good time. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, for sure. So you talked a little bit about how there was mentorship in um, Devil's Advocates. I'm not sure if you went through that when you were like a first-time devil's advocate or, or any kind of mentorship mentee experiences you've had, but can you touch on maybe the importance of mentorship? Yeah, definitely. So my first mentor, so to speak, at ASU was actually not a devil's advocates member. Um, I actually went to high school with him, and he was a senior when I came here. So um, he like showed me around campus, um, invited me to like, go to In-N-Out or just like work out at the gym. Um, just stuff like that. So being able to have someone who knows exactly what I'm going through as a freshman out of state, not knowing anyone at all, um, that has really meant out like the world to me at that time because he was so gracious and helpful with me. Um, and then I had one of my sister's friends do the same thing for me. So like I always try and do that for other people. So for example, last year there was another kid from my high school um, who went here. So he's a year younger than me. So I kind of tried to do the same thing. 
Um, and then same for that person on my tour who was from Oregon. You know, I'm trying to do the same thing to like have them be involved or just like comfortable at ASU. Um, and then there's a student in my WPC 101 class who's from the town next to mine who wants to do like the same career path that I want to do. So being able to like connect with them and be like, I know exactly what it feels like to be out of state, um, that really goes a long way, I feel like. And then, you know, if they have that happen to them, hopefully they do it for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on the fact you're WPC, WPC 101 facilitator. Is this your first or second time teaching? Uh, this is my first time doing it. So <laughs> we're week, what, four or five now? Yeah. So what's like, but what's been your experience? Like, do you like it? So, uh, so far, if I'm honest, it's been like kind of a weird start because okay. my class got changed and I didn't really know. Um, <laughs> but it was partially my fault, I will admit. Uh, so then I actually wasn't there for the first day. Um, oh, okay. Fortunately, I have a co-facilitator, so he taught for that day. Um, and then I was back the second week, and then we had the next week off for Labor Day. Mm. So uh, I taught on Monday, so that was like my second time teaching. Um, but so far, I've really enjoyed it because it's the same kind of thing with the mentorship for people. Sure. Um, being able to be a resource for them, help them out, because, you know, I feel personally like I've been successful at ASU and I want other students to feel that same thing too. Sure. Um, because the more students that are happy here at ASU, like the more happy everyone is overall. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I really, I've really enjoyed it. You know, what's something I want to do like after my main career is teach a sports business class um, for a college, uh, just because I know the impact that teaching can have because I've had really great teachers in not only in middle school, high school, but here in co at ASU as well. Um, and like admittedly, it's been, very confusing. Like I'll sit there in WPC 484 and I literally have no idea what's going on. And there's like <laughs> so much information loaded on us. Right. And I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. um, but like, I'm just trying to take it one week at a time. Yeah. Just, that's all you yeah. can really do. Look at just the week that I'm focusing on, not worry about other kind of things. Yep. Um, and so far I've been really enjoying it. That's and good. I just really enjoy being able to like talk with the freshmen, mm -hmm. kind of same thing. You know, I've been in their shoes and just being able to be a resource for them. Yeah, because in a way you're kind of like a pseudo mentor to like all like what eighteen, nineteen of yeah. your students. Yeah, exactly. Because like you're the one like that has all the experiences. You're the one that has all the knowledge and wisdom that you can kind of give to them. Right, exactly. And you're the one. They're the ones that are coming into like their freshman year of college. They're all kind of like honestly kind of scared. I remember going to my first like couple classes and I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah and um, I think just for anyone that's 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 potentially listening to the podcast that might be a freshman or even a sophomore. And I know I'm a sophomore, so I can't really talk about this. But um, like what I told my students, because I'm also a WPC 101 facilitator, mm -hmm. and I, I told them about the value of just inviting upperclassmen to get coffee with them at Dean's. Right. So a lot of the time, fresh, my freshman year, um, like I tried doing like once every other week, I would invite an upperclassman who was involved with or interested in the same things that I'm interested in or want to be involved with. And I would sit down and grab coffee with them and then just ask their advice. You know, and it would be only like 20, 30 minutes. I did it with Thomas. I did it with Eli Schiffman. Right. I did it with Maeve. I did it with all these different people. And they weren't necessarily my mentors, right? Because a lot of freshmen aren't in organizations like Devil's Advocates and BizAm. Um, so they don't have like a set mentor, mentee. But that doesn't mean they can't find those mentors. And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that people that aren't in BizAm who are sophomores and juniors can't find mentees. Reach out because it is really a huge help just talking to someone that is, like you said, been in your own shoes mm -hmm. and that is already somewhere that you want to be, right? right. And it, it, I mean, that goes both ways. For mentors and mentees, like find that, make those connections because 
I mean, the networks is a good thing, obviously, but just yeah. explaining to someone what you want to do and, and how you can help them is um is a big deal and it can really help someone and really shape the way their experience at ASU is like so absolutely right and I would say like being in Devil's Advocates has stemmed to my involvement in everything else so because I've been in Advos I've talked with people who do WPC one on one facilitators or I know someone a couple people in the sports business scholars program um, and so like they're not exactly but but that same like forming the relationship with with them has allowed me to advance myself so much more than if I wasn't in that organization. Sure. And so I think it's probably like the most important thing that I've done um, while I'm here at ASU. Not only just because it's like helped me grow as a professional, but in other aspects like how to talk with people, how to form those relationships, um, and then, you know, having that same mentor-mentee kind of thing. You know, because I love it when someone can help me and they're willing to do that, and I love being able to do that for other people. Just because like... I know how scary ASU can be because there's so many people here, but like if you work hard and you, um, you know, and you're a good person, and you're doing the right things, then good things will happen to you. Absolutely. So I mean, let's let's talk about. Um, you're in sports business. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in the sports business scholars. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So, what do you want to do with that degree? Obviously, something in sports, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I've known kind of since eighth grade. Um, when I realized I was not athletic enough or good enough to be a professional athlete, uh, surprisingly enough. Um, no, I've always wanted to be like work in the front office position of a professional sports team, whether it's soccer or basketball. Um, and then I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but um, recently I know I wanted to do stuff with like analytics and sports. So whether it's measuring player efficiency or um, you know what players should be playing, what players should not be playing, um, and like how you can use analytics to not only like create lineups for your team, but to select the right players. Um, because lately, like it's pretty much it's kind of just been like sport like sports teams just throw as much money as they can at a high profile player, um, and they don't really care about the risks involved. And so I think that sports teams can be way more efficient with their money. Um, and then, you know, you can use analytics to like write specific contracts for those players. Um, yeah. And I was looking. Over the summer, I sent I worked on this like mini paper and sent it to this guy on the Suns um, about like inefficient contracts in the NBA. So like, for example, there's a couple players um, that the New York Knicks basically um, they're paying someone almost twenty million dollars a year. And Is it like, Carmelo? No, it's Joakim Noah. Oh, so okay. he's gotten hurt. He's nowhere near the same production that he's been in the last few years, um, and he's like in his early 30s. So as a center in the NBA, that's when you start to taper off. And yet they're offering him way more money than they should. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of thought about whether you could do like an incentive-based contract where you could say, you know, we'll offer you $12 million a year, but if you do X, Y, and Z, you can have up to $18 million a year. Um, And so I feel like with that, it's a more safe investment in like risky players that you don't really know how it's gonna pan out. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of frustrating watching, uh, like you sit there, and you obviously, like, you don't know everything that goes into player selection, contracts, uh, contract negotiations, or, like, that kind of stuff. But, like, sometimes you really do sit there and you're like, what, like, what are these people doing? Because it's obviously not going to work. They're spending too much money. So I want to be able to be in a position to kind of, like, fix that. And I know that the trend nowadays is that more and more teams are relying on analytics for almost every aspect of 
um, their performance. Right. So I, I kind of want to dissect that a little bit, if, if that's okay with you guys. I, I mean, yeah. it might not be very interesting for someone that doesn't like sports, but I'm a, I'm a baseball guy, right? I've always right. liked baseball. Right. So for me, analytics, um, that would be like deciding what pitchers pitch against what batters, right? right? Well, you know, who should DH against what teams, right. that kind of stuff. And that makes sense to me because I know baseball. Right. Where does analytics come into football and basketball or even soccer? Like how do you determine – the lineup for for those games right so for soccer i actually read this book and one thing i really took away from it that i've always that kind of really started my love for analytics and that kind of stuff is they were um there are these guys who are analyzing corner kicks in the premier league so how successful teams were um and so they would do an analysis of like uh if you kick it to the near post you're more likely to score than if you kick it to the far post reason being is that um if your guy gets at gets contact with the ball in the near post, they can hit it. The goal is closer, and the goalie has less time to react. Mm. So it's kind of like a bang bang play. Whereas if it lofts over the box um, to the goalkeeper, they kind of have an idea of what to do. Um, and then the they presented it to Manchester City, and the manager at the time was like, "No, we don't want to do that because he, in his mind, those loft those far post goals st- stood out to him more because they're more like." You know, it's more, um, what's the word? It's like more fancy. Uh, people remember it more. Um, so stuff like that. And then they were also talking about, um, like, players and their passing, um, how your passing can be more efficient, um, and then how, like, it has passes that lead to passes that lead to goal-scoring opportunities. So mm-hmm. what kind of passes you can start off with. Um, and then in basketball, it's, like, a lot of player efficiency ratings. So let's say, like, you have... You, there's also like situational analytics. So at certain spots in the game, some players should be playing based on their productivity at that time. Or it's also matchup analytics. Um, and then you can use that to really, it's kind of like playing chess with your opponent. Um, you wanna I love think, chess. Yeah, you want to think, <laughs> think four steps ahead. And I feel like using analytics, you can predict a lot of things. Um, and, you know, obviously, I always tell myself that there's other factors that you can't control. So, like, one thing I always look at is how much money that you spend um, versus your team's predicted success. Sure. So, I think that gives a good baseline for teams to sort of say, like, hey, we spent X amount of money, we should have X amount of wins. And obviously, that doesn't account for, like, players getting hurt, travel, fatigue, that kind of stuff. But I feel like it really does give you a good start to say, you know, this is what we should expect based on what we're paying these players. That's really interesting. So... It seems like, Go ahead. okay. It seems <laughs> like you have a pretty good grasp on what it means to do analytics in the sports business. Right. And obviously, that's not the only thing that is in your major. There's other things besides analytics. But for someone who is interested in sports business, that is also interested in the analytical side of things. What, and they're a freshman, right? Right. Because I have a lot of WBC 101 people or students that are into sports business, and I don't know if they're in analytics. But what kind of advice would you give a freshman that wants to? Gain all of this knowledge that you seem to have like, and love sports. What would, what would you say to them? Right. So I would say it's always find the sport that you enjoy the most because obviously you can get the most in-depth. Um, and you just read. Like there's, bas- there's a website um, called Nylon Calculus, which does basketball analytics. So every now and then I'll just kind of go and read what they're talking about. And they'll talk about like high-scoring offenses, um, defenses, that kind of stuff. So just like reading a lot, um, and you know, you can do side projects on your own. Like it's easy to do regression analysis stuff in Excel, and that's like a first stepping stone into other things. Um, and just like playing around with it, seeing what you enjoy, 
Um, but I would stress the most is definitely keeping up with current events and what basketball teams are doing. And like, obviously I w wish I could know more, but you know, you can only know so much about the type of analytics that is being done because it's so in depth. Sometimes it's kind of hard to grasp things, but at a surface level, it's really good just to get a start by reading about things that are going on, like current trends um, and how they're using that to their advantages. That's really cool. Um, Hunter, you're the baseball guy here. Hmm? Um, have you seen the movie Moneyball? I have. That's, that's exactly what, what I was That's pretty much the what they're time. doing here, yeah. right? They're just using analytics to find like the good player buys, the good player right. outcomes, player right, performance, but it's, that kind of stuff, right? It seems like Walker even is, is going further even that. more in depth than that, yeah. right? Because when I was thinking analytics, I'm also thinking of like, if they know the, I mean, baseball does this, and I'm sure other sports do this too, but they know that this batter pulls the ball, so they have some kind of shift, right? Like right. Giambi used to play for the Yankees, and he has him go to the Giambi shift, where like everyone would go to the right side of the field because he would always, you know, pull the ball. Push the, I think he was lefty, so he would pull the ball, and um, so that I mean. I, I again like I understand how that happens in baseball is they know the percentage of the time this guy hits in this area so we're gonna put our players there mm -hmm. to do that right. and I assume it's something like that in football basketball soccer where you know they know Tom Brady likes to throw to the left side of the field so they're gonna put two defenders guarding whoever is you know the wide receiver running to the left side of the field or something like that sure and I'm sure it happens and it's extremely interesting because I never really thought of sports in that way besides baseball because that's all I've known. Yeah. but yeah Moneyball is a really good it's a good movie. Comparison. Yeah. It is a good movie. Yeah. And honestly, like, I had an idea about wanting to be, like, a general manager before I saw that movie. And then I went in, and I saw, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie. And the scene that always struck, stuck out to me was the scene when um, Brad Pitt is meeting with the Boston Red Sox. Um, and I don't know why, but that just kind of, like, clicked for me. Like, I, like, wanted to be in that situation. wanted to be talking about, like, sports like that. And... Um, and I always say that like you have so much data as a result of sports, um, you just kind of have to figure out what to do with it. Because it honestly, I feel like it can tell you ninety-five percent of the answers to the problems that you're having. You just got to figure out how to like Interpret access it. those answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's I mean that, that's really that's really interesting. Um, and what comes to mind for me personally, and that's I don't know Thomas, if you saw me typing on my computer mm -hmm. while Walker was talking. Um, but I've always been, I mean, I, I love baseball specifically, um, but recently I've, I've really gotten into esports, which is, you know, like, you know, video games, sports, professional, yada, yada, yada. Right. So I was thinking of like whether or not, and I'm sure this would work, is analytics in esports. And because it's such an emerging market, how there's such an opportunity for maybe an analytic firm that would work for, for teams, you know, right. playing in those professional leagues and stuff like that. So Oh, I see. That's yeah. what I was typing because I, yeah. I thought it was a good idea. Because they're, but, like, technically, like, quote-unquote athletes. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, they, yeah. Have, they have, like, performance and they know, yeah. you know, who does better in what situations. And I'm sure that comes down to the same number thing. Probably even more so because it is a video game, so it can come down to huh. more of a numerical thing than, let's say, someone hitting a ball with a big, you know, baseball bat. But right. Interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot, too, actually, and in my... Um, sports business class that I have right now, uh, we've actually dedicated like the last two classes just to esports. Yeah. So it is something like at first when I first heard of esports like a couple years ago, I was like, all right, come on, like let's be real. But then you kind of start looking at the money that's being put into it, mm -hmm. the attention, the media, like it's a big deal, and yeah. it's something I'd say in the next at least ten years is gonna be. It, I, we looked at this chart and it's actually projected to surpass. Um, NBA viewership and MLB viewership. Yeah. Um, because it is that big of a deal. So um, I think that I've always thought, kind of thought about being in that field because it's growing. There's such an opportunity for it. And in the same way, you can use analytics in that because it's the same type of player performance. 
because you have an objective that you're trying to accomplish and you use various strategies to accomplish your objective. Mm-hmm. That's the exact same as basketball or soccer or football or anything else. Yeah, sure. and I mean, I can talk about esports all day because I am a fan and I am passionate about it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's the thing that I think a lot of business majors um, that maybe aren't in that ecosystem don't understand is, like you said, exactly how much money and how much media attention is to esports. Mm-hmm. I know the 2015 League of Legends World Championship had more views than the 2015 NBA Finals. Right. Um, no way. And that was in 2015, and it's only exponentially grown in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. And I know for the professional League of Legends scene to buy a spot in North America, it's like a $10 million buy-in to buy a slot into that for an organization. Mm-hmm. So they're just making um, franchises, and they're just franchising. So, and I mean, that's just the beginning, and there's a lot of major companies, and a lot of you know, professional sports athletes own esports organizations like Alex Rodriguez and I think um, uh, what is his name? Some famous basketball player that has retired. But Rick a lot Fox of Fox owns a team. I think that might be yeah. That's Echo Fox. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's there's plenty of um, really prominent. I think Mark Cuban might own a team too, or he might dabble in something like that. Probably Mark so, Cuban's and everything. Yeah, <laughs> so. he really is. So I mean, it, it, and obviously, uh, you you don't understand it, so you see it, and I've definitely seen it. But if people were to stop turning a blind eye to it, they can really see the opportunity that's in esports. And there's a lot of talent that hasn't, I feel like, gotten there yet mm-hmm. that maybe WP Carey can uh, take advantage of, maybe start some kind of program or something like that to get into those markets because it's definitely definitely moving forward. Yeah, sure. I think like the business of esports is a huge um, opportunity for mm-hmm. students and something that WP Carey should be looking into more because, honestly, it's going to be the same as the business of professional sports pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and you know people are dragging on it because it's like people playing video games but these are the like the best in the world at what they do which is no different than basketball players football players because they're the best in the world at what they do yeah and there's not very many people who can do the same thing yeah absolutely i agree and i mean like there's the the big organizations like tsm that's team solomon they have like a nutritionist and they have a personal trainer they have really? a coaching staff yeah. yeah they have like they have team they, houses yeah, they, they it's like a serious thing all that stuff yeah yeah they i mean they have the they have the money and they make the money to do it and these people are making uh, you know a Good lot of money, of money without even yeah. winning any championships and if they win championships they have you know bonuses, bonuses and, yeah um but yeah it's definitely cool I, I mean i could talk about esports all day but i'm sure that's not that's really necessarily wow. you know um okay so sports business scholars, right. again, going along with sports business, what, what, do you, what type of stuff do you do in that organization? Yeah, so the sports business scholars is a little bit different from SBA, whereas SBA is more of a general organization, mm-hmm. so anyone can join. Um, the sports business scholars, there's about 20 of us, so you have to like interview to be a part of this program. Um, and I heard about that through one of my friends, so he told me to do it. Um, and so it's kind of hard to say exactly what we do because it's very different week to week. Um, but normally we just have like meetings, like the last meeting we had, we had Chris Holland come in, and he was talking to us about how we can um, edit our resumes, um, do all that kind of stuff. Um, but we also have mentors in the sports business industry. So, for example, my mentor is this guy named AJ, and he works at this uh, firm called Navigate Research out of Chicago. And he knows so many different people in the sports business industry, so he can kind of help me, like, network with those people, talk with them, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we also meet with sports teams, ask questions, that kind of stuff. And then we go on outreach trips at the end of the fall semester. So last year they went to LA and then, or they went to New York. This year we're going to LA meeting with teams there. So that's just a really cool opportunity to be able to talk with those people, especially since it's kind of like, you know, organizations reach out to sports teams and they're like, I don't know, but it's because of the sports business scholars, you know, kind of like the top 20 of the sports and media major. Um, and then our advisors obviously know people in the sports business industry who can help us out too. Yeah. 
Definitely. So if you're a freshman and you're in sports business, yeah. talk to Walker and yeah. try to get yeah. into the sports business scholars because that, yeah. I mean, that sounds to me, and um, I, I only know this because I have friends in, in finance, but you know, equating it to finance, it sounds like sports business association is like IBCC mm-hmm. and sports business scholars is like IBIS, right. um, where it has that more prestige and you have to interview to get in and it's more of that. So yeah, if you're a freshman and you're listening to this and you want to do sports business, Talk to Walker. Find him on campus. Yeah, he is red hair. Stalk me down. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also another really cool thing I like about it um, is that everyone who's in it is very serious about what they want to do. Um, like I know people who are like, yeah, I want to work in sports, but they don't kind of really grasp just how difficult that can be um, and how hard you have to work to do that. And so it's nice being around people who have that that who know that it's very difficult and they have to do basically the right stuff from right from the beginning um, and being around those people inspires you to work harder but they're also such a great group of people because they're like real and a lot of people who want to do work in sports like that's the only thing about their life so they just like sports 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 over and over and over and over and you know at a certain point you're like come on right but what I like about being in sports business scholars is that people have other interests that they're very passionate about um, and that is just really refreshing to be a part of. Absolutely. All right, Thomas, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today's podcast? I just think that, like, the whole sports analytics, sh- like, spiel is, like, honestly really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a really important aspect of, you know, professional sports and, you know, of course, esports as well um, that I think honestly gets overlooked a lot. Um, yeah. So. And, you know, in the past trends, sports teams has been, like, the only way to work for a sports team is to be a professional athlete because then you know everyone and they're like, oh yeah, we'll give you a job. But um, in this book I was reading, they were saying the trend has been more so towards people who know analytics and who know like how that works because at the end of the day, they're smarter and better equipped to make these decisions yeah, than sure. some other people are. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Thomas, you want to... You want to end that with a the, with the quote? See what sure. you got. So today's quote is from Steve Jobs. I kind of picked Steve Jobs today since, like, you know, the new Apple iPhone un- unveiling event yeah. of the new three iPhone lines or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, sometimes when you innovate, you make mistakes. It is best to admit them quickly and get on with improving your other innovations. Um, that also really plays in because, like, ASU is number one in innovation for the third year in a row. So double, double header on that one. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Awesome. All right, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, we can be found on SoundCloud um, at Getting Down to Business, the WP Carry podcast, as well as iTunes. So check us out, share it with your friends. We really appreciate it. Walker, thank you so much for coming thank you. on. Thank you. It's for been me. a really fun time. And with that, we are going to end it.